capturing wildlife through the lens of conservation. Tess Pointer, pronouns she, her, grew up on the south coast of New South Wales and had not long finished school when she and her partner took a gap year, travelling around Australia to experience and photograph the many unique and beautiful critters that call this country home. Today, Tess shares her journey starting out in wildlife conservation, as well as her award-winning wildlife photography. Welcome, Tess. Hello and welcome to It's a Wildlife podcast and blog sharing the great work being done for wildlife conservation worldwide and solving problems for ecologists by ecologists. If you're a fellow wildlifer, whether you're just starting out or you've been about the traps for a while, tune in and let's chat. You're in the right place. So my name is Tess Pointer and I grew up on the south coast of New South Wales. I not long finished school in 2020 and then my partner and I had a gap year around Australia. We spent our time photographing wildlife and working, doing fruit picking and farmhand jobs. And now we're both studying at James Cook University in Townsville and I'm doing a Bachelor of Science a double major in ecology and zoology and marine biology. Amazing. Did you want to talk about how you got interested in wildlife photography? Yeah, sure. I've always really been interested in Australian wildlife really since I was little. Being on the south coast, there's a lot of reptiles and wildlife that are easily accessible that you can just you know go for a walk and you see a lace monitor in the bush and stuff like that so for me that really sparked an interest I was always curious and wanted to learn more things about animals especially animals that kind of got a bad rap like reptiles snakes in particular and so I started taking photos of them just to share you know like I get pretty close to everything that I photograph and I'm still alive so <laughs> just to show that most of the conception about reptiles and that sort of thing is false. My dad he's also into photography so from a young age I've always had a compact camera and taken photos and then as I've gotten older it's kind of progressed like upgrading camera gear and gotten more and more interested in photography. Yeah, And what an incredible way to jumpstart your career in photography than to take a year to just explore the Australian bush. Yeah, oh, very lucky to have done it. We did New South Wales, across down the coast of South Australia and then up through the centre. Did a lot of time in Darwin all along the WA coast and then back up. So it was a pretty amazing trip. So lots of incredible wildlife. Absolutely. I think a lot of people would feel like they really want to do it, but they're not entirely sure if they can make the commitment. Yeah, for me, I was pretty excited just to, you know, jump into it for my last year of year 12. That really got me through it and like pushed me to have a goal. And we did lots of work on the car. Like we just traveled in a little Suzuki Jimny, so quite a small little four wheel drive, but it was so much fun. So set that all up, did it all up ready for camping and that sort of thing. And it was pretty exciting. A lot of it we planned, like where we we're going to go and what time of the year we we're going to go there and target species and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think just setting goals and, you know, having a picture of what you would like it to be like really helps for 
that sort of thing. Absolutely. And you spoke a little bit about wanting to change the story for a lot of Australian wildlife that gets, as you said, a bad rap. How important is photography in science communication and in changing the hearts and minds of the public? Yeah, I think it's incredibly important. Lots of people, even younger kids, they've just been brought up to the only good snake is a dead snake and that sort of thing. But most people haven't even had like an interaction with a snake, let alone a bad interaction with one. So it's often taught to kids as a young age and then you're grown up to fear something. So I think by sharing an image, if someone is interested, they think, oh, that's cool or wow, I didn't know they looked like that or that sort of colour. They get a bit more interested and then are more inclined to read about it or that sort of thing. So I think in sharing images, you can allow people to care about the subject because without people caring, they're not going to do anything. Yeah, I think it's really important to make people care about wildlife in Australia and without them caring, they're not going to want to save it from threats of land clearing and stuff like that. No, that's absolutely true. It's very interesting as well because, as you say, you get so close up to some of your subject animals when you're photographing. Yeah. Probably intimate moments that a lot of people have never experienced before, being that close to a venomous snake. Yeah, yeah. Did you have to overcome any fears to start getting so close to those animals? Um, Probably the biggest thing that I have to deal with is mosquitoes. <laughs> and leeches I feel terrible because I'm like I just want someone to love these guys but it's not me every time I go into like the rainforest or the bush I get absolutely hammered by mosquitoes but yeah I've definitely had a lot of experiences not close calls but even things I've done a bit of field work and that's and volunteering and stuff and one story I have is we went out doing survey work for the university and looking for the broad-headed snake which are endangered so and one of the guys that we were with actually flipped one of the rocks and back onto himself and fell 20 meters off the cliff so it was a pretty crazy experience definitely something that I'll always remember I was the one on the EPIRB with limited reception trying to say where we were but even I wasn't sure where we were because it's all pretty secret the spots and stuff on the snake but in the end it all was good and he ended up breaking his wrist in a few spots but stuff like that can easily happen you know the snake that we were looking for was venomous and but in the end falling off a cliff was a higher risk than getting bitten by the venomous snake so isn't that crazy and it's actually Quite interesting that you brought up the mosquitoes as well, because when people think of the world's deadliest animals, a lot of the time snakes and spiders are high up on that list. Yeah, people like jump in their car every day without a thought in their mind. But if there was a snake on a path, everyone would be scared. No, absolutely. There's a nap, I speak from experience, an aversion inside of us when we see a snake, even if you're looking for one. Yeah, yeah. You do have to, I guess, contain yourself to then move forward and approach the snake do you have that instinctual sort of reaction or do you think it's disappeared um I don't know really well because I'm always looking for them we'll be on the footpath and I'll be like there's a snake in my partner he's like how did you even but I don't know I'm always looking for them and I've always been really interested in them and that sort of thing so I think it's slowly 
Probably not so much anymore. But when I was younger growing up, we always had reptiles and lizards and snakes and that sort of thing. So I've always been used to them and grown up around them. So you think possibly this is something that people could overcome if they were interested in wildlife. Yeah. But they're a little bit scared still of snake with enough exposure and enough practice around safe viewing. Yeah, definitely. You know, we've got friends that have always been scared of snakes and that sort of thing and we'll be out herping along the roads or just out in the bush and we'll find a a nice python or something and get them to touch it and feel it and like understand it's not slimy and I would encourage people to go and pick up any snake especially if you don't know the species and that sort of thing but just to understand that they are pretty calm they're more scared of us and we are of them. Absolutely and when you're out as you say, herping. Do you want to talk us through a little bit about that process, where you might go or what time of day you would recommend if people wanted to start looking for reptiles and frogs? Yeah, so I definitely recommend like going herping. Like if people enjoy spotlighting and stuff like that, it's pretty similar. So herping is the form of looking for reptiles and amphibians. Generally, we'll go in your car and you road cruise, as it's called, during a warm night or stormy night and that sort of thing. So the road is still hot. So what happens is the snake, legless lizards and that sort of thing come onto the road to warm up for the evening. So you can often have really successful nights depending on the time of year and that sort of thing. Some people are very, very keen herpers and they'll herp literally all night but yeah we've found some amazing species like death adders and all sorts of pythons and that sort of thing that sounds almost too good to be true for someone who wants to find reptiles now can we talk a little bit more about your journey how you're translating that passion into a profession yeah as I was growing up in high school there was Quite often, you know, there's a few opportunities and stuff you can do as a student in field work and volunteer work and those sorts of opportunities, doing pitfall trapping and doing, you know, health assessments and all that sort of thing really intrigued me into pursuing that sort of career. I like really enjoy being out in the field and being up close with wildlife and learning about the environment and that sort of thing. So those ecology-based experiences, I knew like that I wanted to do ecology. So to get a job in ecology and do a Bachelor of Science, yeah, just putting your hand up for opportunities really drove me to do like an ecology-based field. Yeah. Absolutely. I think what's quite incredible about your story is it seems like your passion and your interest has driven you very early on. Definitely. I was very lucky like growing up where I was and my parents are always encouraged that sort of thing. My mum, she's awesome. She's always like finding like opportunities and from a young age I've been entering competitions and through doing those sorts of things you get like a really good connection with other people like a network of you know scientists and other photographers and that sort of thing so there was a competition Anzang that I've entered for a fair few years now must be four or five years or something and through going to you know the galleries and the award nights and that sort of thing you meet some really really amazing people
Absolutely. Something that strikes me about your story here is how proactive you've been about going out beyond your everyday experience in the education system and actually pursuing different experiences that you're interested in. Do you think this is very important for somebody in the field where people have so many different pathways they could pursue? Yeah, well, I think it's one thing to have a degree in that sort of thing, but also having the practical experience under your belt is really, really helpful. Just doing as many things as you can just shows like really good initiative in what you want to do. But even now, like I'm not exactly sure on a specific job. Like I know I want to do something in ecology or marine environment and that sort of thing. But as you said, there's so many different job opportunities by the time I finished my degree in 2024. There'll be new and different jobs to what are being put on now. Absolutely. Now, you're already talking about getting a job after you finish your degree. Is this because people have warned you that it's challenging or sometimes competitive to find work within this industry? Yeah, definitely. Well, at the moment, I'm actually doing a uni assignment that is part of like you look for a job and then you have to write a resume and and that sort of thing so even now I've been looking on like the various different job sites and I'm like oh my gosh there's not that many but I think if you really really search and ask around and you have a good network of people like I'm not sure how easily it will be to get, you know, a full-time job that is guaranteed work for the next however many years, you know what I mean? But I think there should definitely be a lot of different opportunities that we should be able to do once we've finished our degree, which will be good though as well, changing it up and, and that sort of thing. But yeah, I do think it'll be challenging. You know, it's quite competitive, the ecology field, and there's not so many Absolutely. Do you think hearing of that competition and being warned that there are no jobs, you know, that they don't pay, that you can't get a job in the long term, all of those scaremongering sort of stories, do you think that puts a lot of people off pursuing a career in this space? Oh, definitely. Even, you know, the payment side of things from a young age, Lots of people told me, oh, you want to be an ecologist or you want to do science-based thing? Oh, you'll be couch surfing for your life. And I'm like, oh, well, (laughs) at least I'm doing what I like. Yeah, I think it will be challenging, you know, to find a well-paying job and something that you really like. It is a bit disheartening to hear that sort of thing. But I think if you really enjoy that kind of field that you should really pursue what you enjoy doing. Yeah, don't get scared of pursuing your dreams. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And so for people who were interested in looking at more wildlife and also photographing wildlife, what would be some of your biggest tips? You know, you can start anywhere. There's photos of me at like three years old with a little compact camera and birds on me and that sort of thing. So you can literally start at any age with any type of camera. For the first Anzang photographic competition that I entered, I was runner up and that photo that I took, it was just with a power shot camera, so nothing fancy. And then from there, I slowly like went up in camera gear and that sort of thing, but it just proves that you don't need top end gear. It does help, but you can start anywhere. And just being curious about your subjects and 
learning and that sort of thing. There's heaps and heaps of different places, even in places in the city, you can still get out and find wildlife and that sort of thing. You know, even just taking photos on your iPhone if you enjoy that and then you might progress later on. But phones nowadays, you, you can take pretty good photos with them. So yeah, just sharing what you find and that sort of thing. Absolutely. And what about for people looking to finishing high school, not sure what they want to do, but they really love animals. Do you have any advice for them? Yeah, there's so many different degrees and work that you can do in that sort of field. Even one of my friends who's really, really passionate about wildlife and he's doing artificial intelligence and he wants to go down that road and do that in conservation work. So studies like that, you can turn it into that industry. But even for me, while I was at school, I was working at a veterinary clinic for five years. At the very beginning, that's kind of what I wanted to do. I wanted to do veterinary and mainly wildlife. But after a few years and realising, you know, it is a very rewarding job, but it's also very draining, like emotionally and physically. And you need a very, very high ATAR. <laughs> so then I kind of decided I also really wanted to pursue ecology and that sort of thing. But, but yes, just to explore what sort of degrees that there are in your area or if you can even do studies overseas or interstate. But you can always change. Like I had a gap year and I would really encourage people to have a gap year and do what you, you know, would like for a year and explore and that sort of thing absolutely no I think that's phenomenal advice Tess once again did you mind sharing where people can go online to find you so my Instagram is Tess underscore pointer p-o-y-n-e-r it's where I share all my photos of wildlife thank you so much for sharing so many of your experiences and insights into your journey so far that's okay thank you so much for having me Thank you for joining us for another episode of It's a Wildlife. If you've been inspired by our discussion or have something to share, please get in touch, leave us a review or share the love with your network. We'll chat soon.